Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that make it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. Here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we know that two of the most important things to us as therapists are confidentiality and our time. Thankfully, Jane understands that reliability and security are very important parts of running a private practice. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is HIPAA and PEPITA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. Not only does Jane help us protect our clients, but they help us protect our time too with features like calendar syncing, note templates, online booking, and they have automated reminders and workflows. Which you know we love on Am I a Bad Therapist? And you can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code bad therapist for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So growing up in a small town and now practicing in said small town lends itself to a lot of interesting situations that I have to navigate that I never thought I'd have to navigate ever. <laughs> like clients at my 
children's schools or daycares or gyms. Um, and we are going to hear from Samantha today, right, Allie? Yes, I will say I know it's not always the best experiences for you, but I do love hearing about them because I don't come live in a small town, not a super small town. And it's so fascinating, the things that come up, the things you have to think about. And Samantha speaks to that, uh, where she ran into not only her former client in a yoga class, but also her own therapist and how she navigated it. The three of them were in the class together. <laughs> Yes, it is such a good story. It also speaks to how we navigate being a human and living in a small town and doing the work that we do, all the things. So it's a great conversation and we're excited for you all to hear it. Just a reminder that we do not endorse bad therapy or bad supervision, and this is not a replacement for ethical guidance, clinical consultation, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 71 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hi, Samantha. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allie. Hi, Catherine. So before we get into your story today, uh, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a mental health counselor on Big Island. I'm pre-licensed, so I graduated a year ago. Now I work at, I actually have two jobs. I work at a nonprofit um, where I do intensive in-home therapy with a lot of like foster youth, young kids. And then I also work at a private practice um, where I work underneath someone else's license. And there I work with a lot of LGBTQ youth, um, a lot of like young adult population type cases. Yeah, so I'm just gaining hours for like the next year to get licensed, um, dipping my toes in a lot of different types of cases, different um, work settings, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I feel like that's always the best transition into why don't you tell us then your story? What made you question if you were a bad therapist? Yeah. So I did my practicum at our local college. So I was counseling with young adults and this was, yeah. So that, that was where I did my practicum. And then About, I think it was like six months to a year after I had closed those cases. I do remember talking. We didn't have a, um, like any formal contract of time where we couldn't be in contact with those clients. So I did tell some of them like, Hey, I'm going to be working at this private practice in town. Um, there is a chance that if you want to, you could continue working with me. Um, I did hear back from a few of them, but there was nothing formal yet. We hadn't like scheduled sessions. So I was going to my local hot yoga studio, really sweaty, not a lot of clothes are worn there, Um, (laughs) really small room. And like I said, this was probably six months after closing those cases. And one of my students was in the yoga studio for the, I had never seen him in there before. Um, And we were about to take a class together. Oh my my heart was racing. (laughs) Yes. I was going to say, how did you feel when you saw this person come into the – was it before the class was about to start you saw them? I think I walked in and he was sitting down already. Um, Did you make eye contact? I think we did. I think we smiled. I – yeah, I was thinking a lot of thoughts, having a lot of feelings, trying to remember what I had learned about, you know – 
practicing in like this really small town, what's going to be most therapeutic for my client, but that all just kind of also slipped out of my head because I was like, but he's just another human. And now we have this yoga class together and I don't want to, I don't want to ignore him. I want to do what's going to be most therapeutic for him, but I don't really know what that would be. I know what I learned and I know that I had conversations with many of my students telling them if we ever do see each other outside of here, I'll let you approach me. Um, you know, it's totally okay to ignore me or if you want to say hello, like either is fine with me. Um, but I think there's a little bit of like imposter syndrome in there too, just kind of forgetting about the fact that, I mean, I did have those conversations. I did we did learn about like working in small towns in school. And I still kind of had this idea in my head that I was doing something wrong, that I was going to do something wrong. Yeah. Or that it was wrong to even just be there accidentally together. Right. (laughs) Right. Sometimes there's this shame piece um, that graduate school comes with. I don't know if that, that came up for you or not. It, it definitely still does. And it has because, and I've talked about this with supervisors. It almost feels like as a therapist, we have to be these upstanding citizens. I don't want to be seen in certain places in my town. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to appear. I don't, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be like emotionally vulnerable in a way. Like it would be weird if like a client was like, saw me on the phone crying or just like, we live in a very small town. Um, and at the same time, I, I want my clients to know that I'm just a person too, and that I have a life out of therapy and they might see me living my life. Yeah. It can feel conflicting though, at the same time, like both of those things feel true and it can be so tricky. And even I think of situations like I live in a beach community in Connecticut and I ran into a client on the beach, which I was like, I thought would never happen. You're in a bathing suit, right? Like that feels so vulnerable. Or like you're saying in a hot yoga class, when you're wearing something, you might be wearing fewer clothes because it's hot yoga. Even thinking about those things, it gets it feels complicated, but then it feels like it shouldn't be. It just feels so conflicting at times. And then it's like, well, what do we do now? Right. So then, so we probably had a few classes together where we kind of just smiled and acknowledged each other. And I was like, okay, this, this should be fine. Um, I'll just, I'll see where he wants to take this. If he, if that's just like how it's, we're just going to kind of acknowledge each other. That's fine with me. Then my therapist walks into a class. So it's like (laughs) me, my therapist, and my old client. All together? (laughs) Yeah. Again, this just shows like the nature of working in a small town. (laughs) How – so if that happened to me, like – as soon as I got, who did you call first to tell? What therapist friend, what what consultant, like who do you need to share that with some, who did you share that with? Because that's not something you can keep to yourself. Right. I, I definitely told my boyfriend about it yeah. because I didn't tell him who the people nope. were, but like, I think he might've been in the class too. Like he goes to the studio with me. Um, and he know he knows who my therapist is. <laughs> 
it's just such a unique and, I mean, peril of what we do of having these run-ins that can cause emotional chaos for a little bit of what to do, what it feels like, right? Right, right. And I have to say, luckily, this the case, this client who I was doing yoga with, it was it was more of like a worried well case. Like he had, he, he was doing okay. So, and it, I think that helped this situation because it didn't feel like there was a lot of, like sometimes even in our sessions, things would delineate to feel like, like, oh, this feels too friendly. Like we are, we, we would be friends in another realm. I will say that that helped the situation because I didn't feel like I was really destroying some sort of therapeutic creation that we had made together. But then with my therapist, honestly, it was like seeing a celebrity. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, they do yoga? I had no idea. And I I felt like I was fangirling my therapist. I was very excited. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh my gosh. It reminds me of that meme. Like we've talked about it on the podcast before, like you go to your therapist, therapist, and then their therapist, therapist, you try to get to the top of the chain. Like how funny that your former client and then your therapist, like it just makes me feel like that was playing out. I know. And you know what? This therapist was so, she, she's, she was really the impetus to me going to grad school. She really encouraged me. She, she told me that I was like going to do great and that I should pursue this and that, yeah great encouragement. And then, I mean, now she became one of my supervisors. Um, And that just also goes to show like, of course, I really want to keep sacred the therapeutic space that you create, that I create with clients. And in a small town, I mean, there are a limited number of supervisors, a limited number of therapists. So sometimes that's just what happens. Someone Mm -hmm. turns into Mm -hmm. your supervisor. That is very similar in my community too. Um, and Smith, I'm curious, when you saw your therapist walk in, you're the client, you own the relationship. Did you say hi to your therapist? Did you walk up to them? Did you not acknowledge the relationship? What'd you do? And how did they respond? Yeah, I think my cl- my therapist does not like small talk and I know this about her. <laughs> so I think that, so we we acknowledged each other, but we did not have a conversation in that space for many, 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 um, classes. And that felt natural. It sounds like it felt comfortable. Yeah, I think it did because at that point it was kind of in between her being my therapist and her being my supervisor. So we didn't have much rapport outside of her being my therapist. But then once we started working in like the supervisor supervisee relationship, then when I saw her at yoga, it was more natural. It felt like, okay, we can talk now, or it's not weird to talk now. Let's pause here for an ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room, hosted by me, Allie. 
plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey, listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself, and I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website cccs.care and sign up for free today. And now let's circle back to the show. Did that come up at all? Like either when it was therapy relationship or supervisory, did you bring it up? Did your supervisor slash therapist bring it up? Did did it come into the room or did it just kind of go unspoken, just go with the flow in the classes? In you mean in um, in the classes, the yoga classes? Or when you were meeting with them, like either in a therapy session or then later in a supervision yeah. setting? We, I think that I mentioned while we were in therapy together, like, oh, this is starting to feel more like, more like coaching. And like, I really admire the work you do and like me getting into this work. Like, I would love to have you more as like my supervisor. Um, so... I think I initiated it and then it just kind of became that. But I will say, so we're in, I do group supervision with her and four other people. And only one of those um, ladies knows that she's my old therapist. And not that it would be bad if the other women knew that she was my therapist, but I don't know. I guess I don't really want it. I don't want our group supervision to become like, oh, when Sammy and this person used to do therapy together. Like, I don't that that was for me, that was a really sacred space. Like it was it was the best therapy I've ever been a part of. Like it, it helped me grow so much and it does feel sacred. It doesn't actually me and her haven't even really talked about our therapy work together um since since she's been my supervisor we've kind of like just completely closed Mm -hmm. that door actually Mm -hmm. I feel like that speaks to this delicate balance that we talk about when we talk about that like small town kind of like when things change or if there's like a transition in a relationship things like that and I know Catherine you're also from a very small town and it does come up of like how it can be just again this balance do you feel like you have learned something from this or even like we I feel like we still haven't gone back to your former client like did that inform how you manage living in a small town and Mm. being a provider yeah I think I've just cut myself a break a little bit. Like I, I have, I know what these ethical standards are. Like I learned about them in a textbook and played out in a small town 
it's really just it's like a case by case basis mm-hmm. and like <laughs> understanding what that relationship dynamic was and what it is now i mean i think every every relationship is going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. and it, they are relationships like yes it's in the context of therapy um but they're also different yeah oh absolutely now working and living in a small town like i can absolutely relate to that and i i love the the example of the case by case basis cuz each person in each situation is so nuanced that we have to consider all of it how do you find support for yourself um in a small town as a clinician cuz i know in my town like i do i am cognizant of what activities or what recreational hobbies or where my clients are really frequent at. And maybe that might not be as enjoyable for me to go there if all of my clients are there or a lot of my clients are there. So where do you find support or recreation or leisure in your town where you can kind of not worry about the clients or let loose and and be that person that you are and without that fear of who being seen? Oh, I just stay in my house all the time. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But... But during COVID, that was convenient. But no, it was. It was um, very convenient. Yeah, <laughs> not going to see anyone if you just don't leave your house. But I do. Okay, my my boyfriend is also in the field, and his mom is in the field. But she works at like a residential, like an inpatient residential. So we we don't have like the same clients. We do pretty different work I mean it's this it's similar but like she's a big support to me and we I mean we hang out with her a lot um and I mean I go surfing and surfing I I do sometimes see people I know but typically not knock on wood like I haven't seen any of my clients so I have seen my therapist my old therapist (laughs) your therapists are all over honestly it's it's hard not to, I I see my clients. I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but mm-hmm. I do see my my clients all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um here's a here's a question for you Samantha. I think I know the answer, but are you which are you more comfortable with? Seeing your therapist in public or seeing your client in public? That's so hard. Ooh, why? I don't know. Like I said, I kind of fangirl my therapist. So it's it is comfortable to see her because I have a relationship with her, but I also, but I also, I don't think I'm going to share this, this podcast with her after all. Um, but <laughs> this is just kind of embarrassing. No, but I, I, I almost feel like I want to be on my best behavior around her. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because she's my supervisor now, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I would rather run into her. Yeah. Probably. I can get that. I think I would I'm thinking about myself in my community. I would rather run into my therapist in public than my client. Um and I maybe need to sit with yeah. that for maybe why. Maybe it's the comfort level or being seen. There, you know. Right. Right. Because right, like if like I also I recently saw a client of mine at Walmart and I do not think she even registered who I was. We walked right past each other. I smiled. She did not register who I was. But I haven't heard from this client in like many weeks. Um, 
and I now now I know why. But anyway, <clears throat> so it's like, you know, that happens too. Like miscommunication or like communication is just not really sure what's going on, and then you see them in public. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what happened too with the yoga studio when I saw my client because we had been emailing, but I hadn't heard from him for a couple weeks. And again, I, I know who he is. I know he's what's going on, but. But then when I see him in person, it almost felt like, okay, that's that. I don't think, I don't think we're going to work with each other anymore. And that's kind of what happened. We didn't, I mean, I didn't hear from him. I will. Okay. So the end of that part of that story is I was cleaning the floors after this, one of these classes and he came up to me and I guess I might have introduced him to yoga or like told him about yoga because he thanked me and then kind of gave me an update on his life. How did that feel? I was caught off guard. I mean, I was really looking back. I'm really happy that he approached me and that it just confirmed like he feels okay about us being in yoga together. Um, But I, I will say I don't love how I showed up. I feel like I was a little caught off guard and didn't know how to respond almost um but again though I'm glad that he was comfortable yeah now I have a question I don't know if this would have a different answer if it wasn't such a small town because we've talked about do you know those interactions in public with clients we've talked about yoga before with our guest Nikki did it ever cross your mind to not go Again, I don't know how many yoga studios are in your area. It sounds like you were very settled, but did that come up for you? Did you wonder that? Like, did you think, oh my God, do I have to change what I do now? Or did that not come up for you? No, it definitely did come up. Um, And looking, and that's the thing, looking back, like the bad therapist moment, it's like, maybe at this point, I should have had a conversation with him and, Mm. and asked about his comfort level. Um, but again, like where to even do that? I'm not, I, I hadn't heard from him in a few weeks, but I I think I could have written him an email. I think that would have been really appropriate to just email him and ask about this. Um, so it did cross my mind for sure. But like we're saying too, like throughout this episode, like we also are humans too, like, and we have interests and you don't have to stop going. I was just curious if it came up at all of like all of those thoughts um, and how we navigate that within ourselves. And like, again, I don't live in a super small town, so I think my experience is different, but we have to acknowledge our humanity always at the same time. Right. At the private practice I work at, one of the supervisors there, um, she she'll say that she sees her clients all the time and that they recognize her if she's like in her therapy outfit or her like her street clothes and so they'll know like when to approach her based on what she's wearing (laughs) and man yeah because there there are just some places on this island that you would not want to see a client like there's like where she lives, there's like a nude beach, like 20 minutes from it's, it's just funny. Yeah. So I think everyone, I think all the therapists around me are kind of navigating this too, which brings me comfort. It's like, there's really no right way to go about this, but handle with care. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a great transition. We ask every guest, you know, if another therapist found themselves in a similar situation, 
what advice might you give? It sounds like handle with care. Is there anything else you would share for navigating seeing uh, clients in public, seeing your therapist in public, anything we chatted about today? What would you say? Yeah, maybe consider consider all possible options. Um, and yeah, just put yourself in your client's shoes. What would you want in that situation? I think I... I think I would have liked an email looking back, just like some acknowledgement, but not in obviously like not there. Yeah. In public. And obviously the first thing that came to your mind was what you learned in school, the ethics and and guidance. Right. But that doesn't exactly tell you what to do. So consider, I love that. Consider all the options, consider all the options. Right. So Samantha, thank you so much for sharing this story with us today. Where, if our listeners want to find you, connect with you, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm going to have to email or let you guys know because I'm forgetting right now if my website is Samantha Ray Counseling or Sammy Ray Counseling. We will add that to the show notes. No problem. The correct website will be in the show notes. (laughs) But thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. Okay. Thank you so much, Samantha. We'll talk to you soon. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to stopbadtherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday. 